This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast with me, your host, Alex Fitton, and this is Season 8, Episode 122. This is the second to last episode of Season 8, you guys. Next week will be the finale, and then I will be taking a break to prep for Season 9. So just a heads up there, you got me for two more episodes this year. Today, though, I have a super amazing episode for you guys with adoption YouTuber, Leslie Todd. Leslie is the most incredible Southern delight you can imagine. And I had so much fun talking to her. And I know that you will have so much fun listening to her. Leslie and her husband adopted their daughter from China and then had their biological son. They started sharing their journey and their story on YouTube and viewers just ate it all up. I can't wait to get into all of it with you guys, but Before we go chat with Leslie, I have to ask you guys the incredible favor of rating and more importantly, leaving a review for the show. Y'all have no idea how much that helps me out in the big, crazy world of podcasting. And as a card carrying member of the Words of Affirmation Love Language Club, I just kind of love hearing your feedback as well. Just, you know, fully honest. So head to iTunes, even if that's not normally how you listen to the show and leave a review today. You can even do it while you're listening right now. Go do it. Okay, friends, let's head into a conversation with Leslie Todd. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Today on the show, I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Leslie Todd. Um, Hello, Leslie. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm so good. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, I was talking, we were talking before we started recording. I found you on YouTube, then like reached out to you on Instagram and you guys are just doing such cool stuff. Um, Take a second and just introduce us to you and your family. Okay, so... We live in central Alabama. Everybody knows Birmingham. We live in the suburb of Birmingham. Um, Husband and I have lived here all of our lives. Um, And we've got two kids. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Uh, I spend a lot of my time, especially school year, making sure my daughter is, when she goes to school, her grade has everything she needs. So we're kind of in that mode right now. School just started a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm also doing what I call um, mom school for my three-year-old son. He's not going to, to preschool or anything this year. So we've got a lot ahead of us this year as far as learning uh, different things. But yeah, stay at home. I used to work in corporate America before. We adopted, um, and then once we brought our daughter home from China, we just felt like, hey, it would work for our family if I stay at home, take care of kids, take care of the house. So that was a huge transition, let's say, for sure. Yeah, you got to run that ship, man. Yeah, yeah. So that it was a big transition, and it took me 
kind of get in the groove. Um, but think we're just clicking along uh, our YouTube channel, like you talked about. So it, it, we are busy all the time. I bet. Okay. So yeah, it sounds like, I mean, you guys are really busy. You guys do so much. I'm so excited just to hear about everything you do, but first I cannot wait to hear about your whole adoption journey. So take us back to the beginning. What made you and your husband want to adopt, especially what led you to, you know, the adoption that you did do and the route that you took and then take us to now. Okay. Well, um, if we're going to start at the beginning, I've got to start at the very beginning. Do it girl. And so in September, 2013, at that point in time, we were married almost five years, no children at the time, my sister and brother-in-law, they were stationed in Hawaii. Um, so we took a two week trip out there to Hawaii, spent time out there, had the best time ever in Hawaii, hiking, sightseeing. It, I mean, it was the trip of a lifetime. My sister and brother-in-law at the time didn't have kids either. So we were just two married couples just going out, having a great time. Um, what we did not expect when we got over there was the amount of tourists that come to Hawaii from Asia. So when we would go to like Diamond Head and all these different touristy places in Hawaii, there would be busloads of Asian people coming there too. <laughs> so anyways, I say that to say that kind of built our foundation and being kind of introduced to the Asian people and kind of like being amongst them, so to speak. So our two-week trip ended. We went back home and honestly, I went through some kind of a post-trip depression it was so bad that for like two weeks straight, I would wake up at two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. Like I didn't know this at the time, but it was panic attacks. Both of my arms would go numb. I couldn't breathe. I thought I was having a heart attack. I'd wow. wake my husband up and say, I think there's something seriously wrong. So I ended up going to the doctor about it. Actually, it was a doc in the box and they ran these tests, asked me all the questions I can't find anything wrong with you. Um, and I was like, do you think I was having a heart attack? And they're like, well, if you're having a heart attack, you don't need to be here. You need to go to the ER. But nothing <laughs> that you have said and none of the tests show any sort of heart, uh, heart attack symptoms. So I went home, still had the panic attacks, but had some sort of relief. I had a label for what was happening. At the time, my husband and I were not part of a church family. Uh, we both grew up in church. Every time we would go, uh, every time the church doors were open, we were both there. We did not know each other growing up. Uh, how our childhood was. Um, and so my husband said, we're going to go to church. So we decided to go to church one Sunday. Um, we had visited a particular church earlier that year for Easter, loved it, but just never went back. So we decided, hey, we're just going to go again one Sunday. Um, so that Sunday morning, we woke up, we were running late as usual, got to church, parking lot was packed, couldn't find a parking space. 
ended up finding out there's overflow parking, got shuttled over to the service, couldn't find a seat in the sanctuary, had to sit outside in the vestibule area, watch it on TV out there. I mean, it was just like the odds were stacking up against us. We were like, God, we are coming to church. Why are there all these obstacles? So uh, the sermon started, the message started, and it was about giving. And it was not your traditional service talking about giving. Of course, you know, giving of money and tithing and stuff like that, but also giving of yourself and your time in your home. Um, at the end of this, the message, uh, the pastor started talking about how they were going to have an informational meeting with foster care with a local adoption agency. Um, Daniel and I, neither one of us wrote down the information, but I was kind of like, I'm going to write down the information if he does, and I kind of look over and he wasn't doing it. So I was like, well, whatever. He wrote it. He didn't write it down. I didn't write it down. And we started talking about it more. You know, are we being led to foster care? Um, And then we talked about that and what that would look like for our family. And we just decided, I said, look, if we're having a child, children come into our home, I'm selfishly going to say I want them to stay. Um, So what about adoption? So we decided that we were going to pray about that. And um, actually, let me say this too, we do have a vlog detailing out the whole like church experience that day. Um, If anybody wants to go and see more details about that, it's called Orphan Sunday National Adoption Month on our adoption page. Um, Because it actually was, it was November 3rd, 2013, and it was Orphan Sunday. And we didn't realize that until years later that that was Orphan Sunday. Um, So over the next two weeks, we prayed about where God was leading us. And I tell you, Alex, every single day, there was a sign, say, pointing us to adoption. I I mean, I had written it all down. It was crazy because my husband would go to work and he'd come home and he was like, this is what I saw today. I come home. I'm like, this is what I saw Everything's just adding up. Yeah. Two weeks in a day after we went to the Orphan Sunday service at church, um, we submitted our application with that adoption agency um, to adopt internationally. And and that was something, too, that we had talked about, prayed about. Where are we feeling led to adopt from? Uh, Of course, you know, we started here in the U.S. domestically. We didn't really feel led uh, to adopt domestically. So from there, we went, you know, continent by continent and just saying, okay, do we feel led to adopt <laughs> from Europe? And we looked at the countries in Europe and we were like, no. They went to Africa, no. <laughs> South America. So, I mean, we basically went all around the world and we landed in Asia. And it was just so clear because, you know, two months prior, we had gone to Hawaii and we were like, this is it. Our daughter is in Asia somewhere. And we landed on China and China, I don't know if you know, this has the most, um, most uh, qualifications for family. Uh, 
adopt. adopt. And at the time I was 29 and a half, you have to be at least 30, you know? So as our, well, our social worker said, as long as I was 30, by the time we sent our dossier to, to China, we should be fine. And I was, um, and so we prayed really, really hard. And because we had zero money saved up for this adoption, like none, I mean, basically, Within two months' time, we're like, okay, we're going to adopt. <laughs> we have no money to put to this adoption. So uh, we told our family about it, and and I, and I can't let this go in because this is a huge reason of why we adopted. Because we had a lot of people, our own family members, ask us, "Why are you adopting? Are you?" not able to have biological children, you know, is there something wrong? You know, why are you adopting first? Because uh, within the adoption community, typically we have seen, even though if you're not in the adoption community, you think people adopt first, but there are families that have biological children first and then they adopt. Um, So, we just said, I don't know. We're just led to adopt. Our our daughter is in China. We don't know who she is. And it, it was really hard to, for, for people that we knew and that loved and cared for us to get on board at first because mm. of the route we were taking. You know, there are no, quote unquote, uh, healthy children adoptions coming out of China. They're all classified as special needs. What those special needs may be vary from what we call, you know, like the least, uh, you know, like maybe like a physical deformity or something all the way up to like, you know, mental uh, delays, stuff like that. So, well, and in China, sometimes the special need is just that you're a girl. So, I mean, I mean. I, I can tell you this too. Uh, I know families and they have adopted and they said, okay, my child was labeled as X, Y, Z. And they come home and they're like, okay, <laughs> they're just, it, it, it's, a, it's a totally different world when you adopt from another country to um, all the unknowns. So, uh, so as, as our started we had to obviously fundraise and because uh, we had no money and we were surprised because like we had our first meeting with our social worker like in November and she was like, okay, your first payment of X amount of dollars is due within the next couple of weeks. And we were like, oh, can we have an extension on that? And she's like, well, I can only give you like two month extension. Um, and then it's due. And we're like, man. So at that point in time, Daniel started like just researching fundraisers uh, out the, at the Wazoo, coming up with a plan. Uh, we looked into grants too, but you couldn't do, you couldn't submit for grants and apply for grants until after your dossier has been sent to China. So um we did a ton of fundraisers. I actually have a spreadsheet that lists out every single fundraiser we did, everybody who donated, the, the amount that they donated. So that way, 
hopefully one day when we sit down with Paisley and just kind of share more about uh, how God led us to her, you say, look at these people who prayed for you and committed to help us bring you home. Um, and it, I mean, in the fundraisers, there are some really great fundraisers out there. So uh, if, if any body has fundraised before you <laughs> all the typical fundraisers, but Daniel's thinking outside the box on things. And after the first 12 months of our adoption journey, I looked back at all of our spreadsheets and counted up how much money of people had donated and, um, and given towards our fundraisers over time too, we were able to save on our own as well. And we had over $28,000 within the first year. It's incredible. Yeah. And God blessed it tenfold for sure. Um, Our adoption journey took 16 months from start to finish. And by the time we were on the airplane flying to China, we were fully funded $35,000, received grants around $12,000. I mean, it was purely God for sure. And that was our biggest work. Well, I say hour, but really it was my biggest worry. <laughs> like, we're not going to have enough money for this. And, and it should never be about money at all. But for me and my background uh, and my degree with finance and accounting, I can't, I couldn't help but be money oriented minded. And, um, but God was just like, I've got this. And so 16 months later, we traveled to China. We became first parents there in China. We had no expectations of, uh, of really what to expect. <laughs> and that was kind of laid out by our adoption agency and our training that we had. They said to us the entire time of our adoption journey, you know, like have zero expectations. And um, so we have a vlog too, if anybody would like to see of our gotcha day with Paisley, it's called gotcha day, our journey to Paisley and just kind of gives little snippets and stuff. And I guess too, that's kind of where vlogging kind of started. Daniel says, I wish I had done more. Um, He took his GoPro over there just to kind of capture sights and and stuff so that way we could show Paisley too, which she loves watching those China videos. Uh her gotcha day video. She's always like, Can you watch my gotcha day video? And it's just so precious. Of course, I like fall like a baby every time I watch it with her and I'm looking at her. I'm like, look at you. You're here. Right for you for so long. Um I'm just imagining it can be like, okay, mom. <laughs> yeah, she looks me and she's so hilarious. She, um, what I've learned about the, the Asian culture too is they're like very direct, and she is definitely that. She's very literal, and she'll just look at me and be like, Are you crying? <laughs> and I'm like, Yes, I'm crying. She'll be like, Are those happy tears or sad tears? <laughs> I'm like, They're happy tears. She's like, If you're happy, why are you crying? <laughs> 
I'm like, well, I'm sorry. Maybe one day you'll understand. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so we came home and we, I mean, it, it was hard. I'm just going to tell you, it was really hard going from working full time, like I mentioned earlier, working full time to being a stay at home mom, not having any interaction with anyone. And we did the cocooning um, that uh, most adoption families do once they come home. We stayed at home as much as we didn't let anybody come, which is hard because Paisley. That's our daughter who uh, we adopted. Paisley is the first grandchild on both sides of our family. I love that so so much. (laughs) So so you can imagine how hard it was for grandparents to, and we were like, yeah, uh, yeah, you can't come over. You can't hold her. You can't, you know, we strictly went by the book with everything that our agency suggested as far as um and stuff like that and because we didn't know you know we're first-time parents and we're like we don't want to mess anything up and so as hard as that was it, it honestly it was the best for her it laid the foundation uh for our relationship with her she began to trust us um open up to us and she was she was two and a half at the time, and uh, she actually spoke full-fledged Mandarin. <laughs> and we didn't realize that until we were we were in the country, and our guides would translate what she was saying to us. And so we come home, and she's like talking to us in Mandarin. We're like, I don't know what you're saying. So within two weeks' time, she started picking up English so fast. Kids are amazing; their their little brains are such sponges, and um, she came home, we, you know, did all the doctor's appointments and stuff too. I tell this too, as a, as a testament to, to God and his faithfulness. Um, she tested when she got home, she was two and a half years old. She was on the same physical level and mental level as a 12 month old. And, and within a year's time, we went back for testing and she was on a three-year-old level mentally and physically. So within a year's time, she gained two years of physical growth and mental growth. And kids are and so resilient. They really, they are like, and I tell people like love will heal so much we still struggle with, with things. Things are always going to be there. You know, like even in my own personal life, scars are still there, but love can cover a multitude of hurt. And, um, it's amazing to watch it. It definitely was. So we're just rocking and rolling, living life, family of three. And then my husband comes to me July, 2016. And he's like, Hey, um, I kind of want to do this hundred video challenge where we vlog a hundred videos, put them on YouTube and then just go from there. And I, and I'm going to tell you, Alex, I was like very skeptical. 
years because I was like, there is no way that you're going to follow through with doing a hundred videos, hundred videos. That is crazy. And he was like, I want to do it. And I'm like, well, what are you going to like video about? And he said, just our life. And I'm like, okay. So he did it. And those first few like videos of the 100 video challenge, they're like six, seven, eight minutes long. And they're just of him and Paisley. Because at that time, I found a part-time job working at the local rec center at night. And it, it was just them going and hanging out at the house, going to different places. And then that kind of evolved to where we are today with our YouTube channel. Um, and talking about adoption, what it's like to live with um, an adopted child, being parent to child, a multi, being a multiracial family, and what all that entails. <clears throat> and now it's also kind of evolved to like just documenting those big moments with our family. So that way, our kids can kind of look back because, you know, we don't really have home videos anymore, VHS, <laughs> stuff like that back in the olden days. So this is kind of like our family home videos, too. A lot of our vlogs just kind of resemble home video type stuff. We, and we just share our life with people. Yeah. So <clears throat> people seem thought, to like it. <laughs> yeah, they do. That's they do. I, I mean, we don't have like a huge following is we have like over 4,000 subscribers, which to me is huge. I'm like 4,000 people out there that like want to know what's going on in our lives because I'm like, we're really not that excited. <laughs> <laughs> Paisley, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, Paisley is a star. She, her personality is that of just She's an extrovert. She's very loving, very outgoing. She tells you like it is. And it, 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 people are drawn to her. I mean, she is a great child. So she is truly the star of the show. But we do have our son, Henry. He's an up and coming star, too. So anything Paisley does, he likes to do, too. So uh, we've added him <laughs> to the mix, too. And um he was a surprise as well, um, just kind of finish out our, our adoption journey. We thought that we were going to adopt again from China. We had been praying um, around 2017 about God to add to our family. And, and I was so convinced that we were going to go back to China and we were going to bring home a little brother for Paisley. But, you know, God has different plans and, you know, I became pregnant, <laughs> which is a, a surprise. And like I said earlier, you know, adoption was our plan A. Honestly, at that time, we didn't know if we could have biological children. We were just trusting God and we said, God, whatever, however, whatever you want to do to bring children into our home, we are more than willing to do that. So, Anyways, Henry came to us via uh, biologically instead of through adoption. And he and Paisley are seriously the perfect duo for sure. And I mean, it, our family is just, 
you know, watch the YouTube and you see there's constant excitement going on. Yeah. There's a lot of energy in your house. Yes, there is. And for someone who's an introvert and very like low key and my husband too, we're not like wild, crazy, like on the go, have a lot of energy. I mean, we're in our late thirties now (laughs) and I am tired all the time. And my mom says it is hilarious to watch your family because of how you and Daniel are and your children are the complete opposite of you. I'm like, yeah, how, how does that even happen? <laughs> and now you know I'm tired all the time. <laughs> Something um, happens like the I, I I the day I turned 30, I'm not exaggerating. The day is when I found my first gray hair. <laughs> and then, and then I like, you can't, I mean, I have one glass of wine and I have a headache the whole next day, you know, yep. and it's just, it's like, it's, it's literally, even though you think of your, you think of your body and your life is like a spectrum. I swear there's a marker on there your is, 30. Yes. It's like your metabolism is down at 30. And then I found it again at 35. I was like, how, I mean, what's going to happen in like three years when I turn 40? I mean, good night. It's just constant. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. Um, okay. So I had to, I want to go back and ask, uh, for one detail in your adoption journey, tell us about when you got the call. Oh yeah. I, I, I completely left that out. So, um, funny story is Alex, I like to be in control. (laughs) (laughs) Funny thing about me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm an Enneagram three, so I have to be in control of everything. Um, I'm married to a three as well. (laughs) Also an introvert. Also. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you know, my kind and, um, yeah, so it, so we submit our application November 13th. And it was actually May. Oh, no, let me rewind because I got a backstory on that, too. So in January, we were looking, our adoption agency had um, children listed on the website that you could go and request their medical file to look at. um, And you could go ahead and be matched with them instead of waiting until after your dossier has been sent to China and the traditional match uh, process, you could go ahead and be matched prior. So, uh, in January, we were on the website looking, we found this little girl, she was four years old and we pulled her medical file and there were a lot of things in the file that pointed to, I don't know if this is our child or not. Um, we have three dogs at home and at the time they were a lot younger now they're like geriatric age, but, uh, (laughs) they were a lot younger back in that day, you know, kind of high energy, all inside dogs. And one thing on her file was she may be deaf and we don't know sign language. So, to be, you know, something that we were willing to do and to take on. But if she wasn't able to hear our dogs in our house, you know, we obviously 
we had decided if our dogs weren't going to work out with our child, you know, we would find uh, homes for them. But so we prayed really, really hard. And our social worker was amazing. And she just kind of said, you know, I think, I don't think this is your child. Just given your home life and your circumstances, I think, you know, but of course, you know, this is your decision. You can do what you want to with, with that. So sadly we had to, you know, give the file back. And I was like crushed and heartbroken. So that was in January, 2014. So fast forward to four months later in May, I'm sitting at work one day, slow day at work. And I was on the adoption agency website looking through all the kids. And I came across this one picture of this little girl and the look on her face and, and the look in her eyes, like it just like grabbed, like pulled me in. So Daniel and I talked about, like, you know, I keep pulling files for children because it feels like a loss when you have to give that file back. And Mm -hmm. we were really upset. The next half, I want it to be our daughter. So I told them about this one child that I had found. And I said, do you want to pull this file? And he's like, okay, well, what did we just talk about? like I know I know but I just I I just want to see what her file says I just want to see he's like okay well we can pull it and see but just know that we might not this might not be our child I'm like okay well whatever so we pulled her file and we had it for like a week and during that time you can um talk to doctors. We have the International Adoption Clinic here in Birmingham that we uh, talked to about this child's file. And we prayed really, really hard. And, um, and, and actually, Daniel knew this was our child before I did. I was getting kind of scared because I was like, oh, no, we're about to make a decision. <laughs> and sure enough, that second file that we pulled and that little girl's face that we saw Paisley's face and um, God just pieced it all together. So beautifully, cause I had prayed and I told God, cause we had been in that adoption journey for like six months. And I was like, God, when I pray and I think about our child, I need to see a face. I need to see a face. You know how I am. I need to be in control of that. Uh, see her beautiful face and he provided her face on I think it was May the 12th 2018 and um, so we weren't traditionally matched but uh, we were matched that way and um, honestly it it was the best because it gave us even more motivation to like get everything paperwork in, go to the appointments, fundraise, all that stuff, kick it in high gear. Um, it, I mean, it, 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 it was great. I love that so much. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Um, okay. So 
also, you know, you mentioned that you guys are a interracial family, um, and you also live in the South. And I know from also living in the South that, you know, I think that there are certain areas that get a bad rap because of what they're next to where like, we're not, you know, and I know that Birmingham is a little bit more progressive than some of the rest of the state, but what has that been like for you guys? Well, um, it's been really good. And actually, I mean, there's not a huge Asian population where we live, but there are a a lot of adoption, adoptive families that we have found and connected through, connected to and through our adoption agency. So where we live in particular in the school that Paisley goes to, there are children from all different walks of life. And it has been great to see and have her submerged in, you know, going to school with kids that look like her and don't look like her. I mean, and she comes on day and she lives with three people who do not look like her at all. I mean, none of brown eyes. We all have blue eyes. She's got brown eyes, uh, dark hair. And, you know, so... It, it, we do have like local Chinese, during the Chinese New Year. There's different places that do online different Chinese New Year uh, festivities. We've got the markets like just up the road in a different city. So um, we do have a, div- a diverse uh, group of people where we live. Um, but it's not like it would be, you know, like out says, you know, there's a lot of Asian people out there, you know, so, but it's, it's been really good. And I've been able to connect too with like some Asian adults when I was working at that local rec center, they would come in and um, I I would say, look look at my daughter, you know, I want to show you a picture of my daughter. And, you know, they would say, you know, she is of Asian descent and they were just like so elated. So I got to get some some feedback from them on different things, you know, culture wise, where we could take her to go eat, you know, if she wants to learn Mandarin, where could we, you know, where could she go to school to learn Mandarin, different things like that. So I love that you guys are like it being really intentional about that. And I think that that's kind of like where adoption is shifting now. And we're seeing more and more that adoptees are like, Hey, don't just raise us white, obviously. And, yeah. you know, but for so long that wasn't obvious. And so we're, be, we're able to learn from some of those, you know, semi-recent adoptions. And so how we can do better now. And I, I just love it when adoptive families are so intentional about like, pursuing how we can immerse our family in different cultures and um, make sure that they know who they are and where they came from and that they don't grow up with the identity crisis that we saw so many adoptees go through, um, yeah. you know? And so I just, I think that those stories are really cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, you guys are on YouTube now you're showing off your family on social media and, um, and it sounds like your kids really love that, which is just so fun. And I, I don't know. I just, I love that you guys are, um, I don't know, showcasing families that look different families that, um, I don't know, are, are setting the example and paving the way for other people to do the same thing. Cause we, we need people like you, yeah. you know, we need to see it, um, represented in a lot of different ways. And so yeah. 
don't know. That's what the season's all about. Just showing like, Hey, you guys are standing in that gap. You guys are filling that gap and putting the work in to say, Hey, we can do it. You can do it too. Yeah. Um, I I feel like there's a, a stigma on adoption. I know there was for me before, obviously we adopted. So we just want to show people like, Hey, even though we are an adoptive family, multiracial family, like our, at the end of the day, our, it's just like yours. We love, we fight, we care for each other. We stick together. We say we're team tied and we're in it together to better ourselves and to better the world. So yeah, definitely. Like we, we want to let people know like, Hey, if you feel called to adopt, don't let anything stand in your way and you will be blessed tenfold by doing this because there's just, I mean, I love my biological son, you know, have that connection, but also too, there's something so precious and so delicate about my relationship with Paisley that I, I don't take it for granted because I know how, I know the journey that we've been on and how far we have fought for her and for our family uh, to get to where we are today. And she's just one of our biggest blessings for sure. And, and we wouldn't have Henry if it wasn't for her too. So, you know, it all started with Paisley. I love that. And I love that you guys did that first. So I'm going back to something you mentioned a long time, or, you know, further back in our conversation. Um, I, those are some of my favorite stories is hearing people that were so intentional about adoption. And they did that first because we see a lot of people where adoption is a backup plan or adoptions plan B or adoption, um, came out of infertility, which is fine. I'm not, there's nothing against that. That's great too. But I love the stories where you say like, I don't even know if I can have kids, but we're still going to adopt. And like, that's so important to our family that we're going to do it first. And that's just so cool. Like I, Oh, you want to get me crying? Like those are the stories that get me crying. And <laughs> I'm like, do not cry, do not. <laughs> so cool. And I think that it's such a cool testimony to her to say that, like, you were not a backup plan. Yeah. You were our first intention. Yeah. Um, and that she can know that she was chosen from the beginning, not as a plan yeah. B, which is so cool. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, that's something that's very important to her. We talk a lot about how special she is and. And stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, she, she finds comfort in knowing those little details. Yeah. I mean, I say little, but they're, they're huge to her for sure. Yeah. Love it. Okay. I have some closing questions for you. Are you cool with that? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. If you could go back to the very beginning of this journey, what do you wish you had known? Uh, I wish I would have known to not worry as much. <laughs> I mean, I am a worry wart. I have always been. I, I wish I could have like rested more in knowing that this was the plan. Like this was the definite plan for our family. Like I knew that up here in my head. I didn't know it every, every day in my heart. Um, I wish I had just said, okay, God, you have this. I'm trusting you. I want to get out there. We're going to do the work, the paperwork, the fundraising work, get the word out there that, hey, we're adopting and, uh, and, and let, let him do the rest and <laughs> not worry and try to control every aspect of it. Yeah. 
Um, oh, I mean, I think that like every woman listening is raising your hand right now. Yes. Like, yes agreed. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So my next question, let's, let's go more tangible with it on this side of adoption. What's something you wish you had done differently? Like after you got her home, <clears throat> after, after we got her home, let's say, I wish we had been, <clears throat> well, I'll tell you what I was before we got her home, because that kind of carries over into the after. But I wish we had been more hands-on in helping our families know understand what to expect after we brought Paisley home and the whole cocooning process mm-hmm. and um and our family or, or well our parenting techniques and um And because the techniques that we learned through adoption training, they were honestly like brand new information to our family. Nobody in our family had adopted. So there weren't those conversations of, okay, when we get home, we're not going to see anybody for like two to three weeks. And you can't hold her. You can't, you know, like if she comes up and wants you to hold her, you have to like say, not like reject her, but say, you know, where's your mom, where's your mama and your baba? And those were some really hard talks after we got home with our family and, and helping them see that what we were doing was laying the foundation with us first as her parents didn't know what parents, who parents were for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So that way she could be comfortable with us. And then in turn, have that good relationship with them that's what we were doing but it was hard to see at the time and um I wish we had been more uh hands-on and helping them know but of course here we are over six years later and they see and they know and implement the techniques now too uh to help her in certain situations and help their relationship and we're also always very vocal with our family members, like, hey, um, you know, like Paisley might be having a bad day. So if you could just do this or not say this, you know, that would help out. Um, but yeah, I wish we had just been more hands-on in the beginning um to make those <laughs> make that year of being home a lot easier. Yeah. For everybody. I think it's just, I mean, cocooning can be so hard for extended family and it's so crazy because I mean it's so backed up by research and you're like here look at the study look at this you know book and um but it doesn't make it easier because people are just so excited and then it's hard to be mad that they're so excited and then it's like you're just going in circles (laughs) yes yes I had to finally tell myself like years later like okay adoption was our plan it wasn't theirs uh, this was something that we wanted to do. So, you know, we were in it. We we jumped in and, and we were like, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to do all the techniques, the training, everything. And then here, you know, a few years later, I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's why they weren't because they, it wasn't for the, it wasn't their plan. It wasn't their purpose. They were just kind of thrown into it. Mm-hmm. So we're like, hey, this is what we're doing. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, on that note, my next question is always, uh, how is your, how is your tribe, your community, your people 
how have they best supported you? What is your very favorite way you've been supported? My very favorite way was, um, after we got home, I'll give you a specific example. My mom, like I was going some really going through some really hard times. Um, I think I had uh, post-adoption depression, which, mm-hmm. you know, may sound crazy to some people, but it, it mimicked postpartum depression. Yeah, exactly. Um, I ended up talking to a counselor at our adoption agency during the hardest time. I mean, my whole work honestly had been flipped upside down uh, in every way possible. First time parents, being at home, not having any adult interaction except with my husband, but he was gone all day. I was, uh, I had this two and a half year old little girl and, you know, teaching and raising her, it, it was, it was really hard. So my mom used to write me a letter once a week during that time and mail it to me. She and my dad, they live in Florida. Um, so she would <laughs> mail me a letter on station, different stationery every time with all stickers and everything, you know, so mom-like <laughs> just encouraging me by saying how proud she was of me and you know, sending me different Bible verses and how she was praying for me and just, you know, lifting me up. And uh, that continued on for a few months. And I, and we'll start crying. Girl, me I too. Loved, oh my gosh. I just loved going to the mailbox on those days and just and I told myself I wasn't going to cry about this, but um, <clears throat> I just love going to the mailbox those days and just opening up and reading. And it just felt like, you know, a hug for my mom on those days when I couldn't see her. And, but she knew, you know, mamas know everything. Um, so, yeah, I still have those letters put up. Um, so, um, just as a reminder of, you know, those hard times, you know, that we went through and, and built our family on and, you know, got us to where we are today. Yeah. Oh, that's so special. Oh my goodness. And you're right. Mamas know, even when you're in your thirties. Yeah. <laughs> I know my mom's like, parenting does not stop at when your child turns 18. You're still parenting even in the when your children are in their thirties. And I'm like, Mom. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Um, Okay. So on the flip side of that, how have you felt, uh, you know, hurt or unsupported, uh, especially having such a public family? Um, What are, what are some of the things that people should not do? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, I would say like just with our YouTube uh, a huge misunderstanding that we have, not necessarily like with dealing with adoption, but uh, a huge misunderstanding on YouTube is our Southern culture. And, and you may know this too, living in the South with having your kids say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Um, we have a couple of blogs out there and where Paisley is answering questions to to Daniel and she would say yes sir no sir and we we, we got so many comments on 
why are you making her, you know, answer to you like a drill sergeant and, and all this stuff. And so we had to explain, you know, just how our culture is, you know, it's not that we're trying to be dictators and a drill sergeant and uh, dictate what she says, but it's more of a respect thing Mm -hmm. and, you know, how to be kind to people using our words And um, that's something that we instill in both of our children is we're going to talk with with respect to people. Even if we're upset with them, we can still use our words in a respectful way. And by doing that, we can start with saying, yes, ma'am. And yes, sir. And um, so uh, that that has been the biggest misunderstanding (laughs) so far. Oh my goodness. I, yeah, I was born, I'm from Louisiana and then I grew up in like younger years in, uh, central Arkansas. And then we moved to Missouri and up there people don't, it's not Southern culture. And so they saw us calling, you know, the miss or missus or, you know, Mr. or whatever. And then saying, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. As almost like an offense, because they felt like that was us putting like, you know, walls in between our relationship. And so they would get offended And my parents were like, it took them a long time to transition to like, okay, just because it was our culture doesn't mean it was like, you know, biblical or right or whatever. And so like, it's okay that we transition out and then we move back to Arkansas. And so now it's like lost forever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Totally understand that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's just, so it is very interesting just getting comments where people just don't understand and and it might even come from a place of just curiosity, but sometimes just the way people say it is not nicer on comments, especially. Okay. So Miss Leslie Todd, if you could wrap it all up for us, what is your best piece of advice or encouragement for a mama just really going through it right now? Maybe she is in that cocooning stage. Maybe she's like just so sad. What, what does she need to know? I would say find one victory a day. No matter how small it may seem, no matter if, even if it's like, okay, we got out of bed today, we had breakfast, we had lunch, we had dinner. And and that is a huge, I mean, some days that's a huge victory. And, uh, and then celebrate those victories, small victories with your child. Like, I am so proud of you for, you know, eating your breakfast and uh you know I'm so proud of you for being able to get out of bed and you know maybe change out of your pajamas or you know sometimes you might just need to stay in your pajamas you know and, and, and just find those small victories and in in ways that you can connect with your child you know have a, a movie day or something um you don't have to do a whole lot. Just sit there and just love on your child as, as you watch a movie. But just find a, like a small victory a day and also know that you're not alone. Uh, there is a vast adoption community out there. Um, find find a local or, or, or just find an adoptive mom. You know, I want to say that I am here. Reach out to me. Uh, sometimes, you know, 
you just need to vent <laughs> and just let it out and not necessarily have someone, you know, give you advice on what you should do or not do. And um, I just want to say that if anyone is in that situation, feel free to email me, reach out to me on Instagram, send me a DM. Um, I am here. I've been there before. It's, it's hard. I'm not going to say that it's easy. There are very hard days. But um, just keep pushing through and find those small victories within every day, um, because you'll look back a year from now and be like, man, we've we've come so far in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Oh, such wise words. And we are so super grateful for your time to talk to us and share your story with us. Um, Before we wrap up, just tell us where we can find you and follow along with your adorable and energetic family. Well, um, you can find us on YouTube, search the Todd's T H E T O D D S, uh, on YouTube. We're there. Also, you can follow me on Instagram, Leslie B Todd, L E S L I E B as in boy T O D D. I'm on there, um, sharing Instagram stories daily <laughs> of all the things, uh, not necessarily Paisley cause she's at school during the, uh, during now for school, but, uh, you know, there are other funny moments on there when she gets home, but those are the two main places that, uh, y'all can find me and come follow along <laughs> our crazy, non-eventful, funny life. (laughs) Yep. And I will of course have all of those linked in the show notes. Um, as always, Leslie and I are about to go have a fun conversation over on Patreon. If you'd like to listen in on that conversation, head to the adoptive mom podcast.com slash Patreon. But for everyone else, thank you so much, Leslie. This has been a blast. Oh, thank you, Alex. I have enjoyed it thoroughly and I'm so glad that you've reached out to me and it, it was fun. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.